0: We now st- now we started <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've started are you recording things? How are the levels
0: <laughs> the levels uh are good
1: yeah how how is a uh, regular phone call sounding because we usually use uh, messenger or skype or whatever the heck is this use. is
0: this like a buoy thing he doesn't he doesn't want to use a uh, uh, facebook messenger he uh, doesn't have it, it said he could it use it, his wifes but
1: yeah I was gonna say,
0: how do you talk phone to phone people? Probably probably
1: in a totally healthy manner versus what we do.
0: Wait. So, Uh, so you can't like field text messages and Facebook messages at two o'clock in the morning, like we do. Uh,
1: No, I cannot. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. You might want to go back to that. (laughs) I, I remember a day, uh, not so many years ago when, uh, we were hosting events and uh, people didn't even know my email address <laughs> it was amazing
0: you've been hosting like, events so long that there wasn't email
1: no actually 17 years ago i think i had yeah i had an email address so. it was very very seldomly used though
0: So Um, I didn't, uh, as far as I recall, I didn't get an email address until I was in college, which would have been, well, I guess AOL, but like, you know, a standard conventional email address. I think I got in college. Um, yeah,
1: I think I, I got mine junior year of college. I had like the stupid college email that I don't remember what it was and I never used it.
0: I was a schmuck at Indiana. (laughs) were you really? I for real was Uh,
2: you young people. I was a schmuck. I was grade J6B0 at newman.lumen.elon.edu.
1: What? That is the most complicated thing I've ever heard in my life.
2: <laughs> that was the nineties, man.
1: Man, you probably didn't get any email at that address, did you? Everything got returned to server. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so then we all got AOL accounts. Right. And then you were probably, uh, you know, like uh, I crash Miata's uh, six four seven one two three at uh, AOL.
0: <laughs> so on the line is uh, our friend Bowie, uh, who I think is a, a an Atlanta region guy. Um, I haven't seen you in a couple of years at any of our events. So what have you been up to? He was at he was
1: at Road Atlanta last year.
0: So that, that seems like yeah, an eternity. For, uh, that was like a thousand years ago.
1: Yeah, uh August twenty nineteen was that was at least twelve years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about it. That was a long time ago. But Boop uh Boo you've uh you've recently uh been playing with an R X eight. Yes. Um how has I don't think we actually talked to you much since you got that. How has life been with the R X eight? So I've done about
2: Two years worth of development work on it, but it's taken eight years.
1: <laughs> have you had that thing that long?
2: I have had that thing since 2012.
1: Man, I remember the built the buy thread, like the the every, everybody encouraged uh, Buoy to buy this stupid X Pro race car thread. It was super fun, and that seems like three years ago. Yeah, I bought it sight unseen. Yeah, it
2: showed up from where the hell it was, Connecticut, I guess, to to my house in Georgia.
1: What was the what was the backstory on that thing? Uh, what it had been what had it been built for and used uh, for?
2: Or? Yeah, we'll go the whole spiel, I guess. It was it's a 2004, and it's one of the cars that was pulled off the showroom floor by Speed Source and built is factory speed air quotes factory Speed Source built, but for privateers. Um, two guys from California had a pair of cars built.
1: And that would have been for what, like Grand Am? Or? Yeah,
2: it was Grand Am at the time. And it, those two guys ran it for four or five years. And then they sold it and somebody else ran it for a couple of years. And then it sat for a year. And then somewhere in there it became Coney Challenge. And so the car got some updates for that and then went up to the Northeast and was run... Uh, by Riley Racing, but not Riley and Scott Riley, like Volvo dealership Riley.
1: <laughs> Beside Riley Race. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. Um, and they ran it until 11, I guess. And then I bought it in 12. Um,
1: when you bought it, it was, uh, I mean, it's got like the wildest cage, um, but they were running pretty much like. Uh, wasn't Didn't it have like a stock renesis in it? It did,
2: yeah. The, so the Grand Am cage rules were basically all built around the worst case scenario of crashing the shit out of your car at Daytona. So it's got a, um, just absolute massive cage, an you know, inch and three-quarter, 120 wall. It attaches to the chassis basically everywhere. Uh, and it's... It's stout. It's safe. It's an extraordinarily
1: stiff car. Yeah, I bet. I think we didn't we count at Road Atlanta. It was like 17 points or something like that. Or was or that before after we tied the entire dash bar into the firewall? <laughs> I don't know. It's a long time ago. <laughs> I remember. I mean, that was like 2015 or something. And yeah. and uh, you were fighting brakes and fighting everything else, fighting your fighting your ex-wife. On, <laughs> yeah.
2: That must have been 2016.
1: It might have been. It was before we did festival there right. ever. So yeah. Um,
2: so it's been it's been an interesting challenge. We we went through a little bit of issues with with engines that were kind of related back to the way the car was stored in not at all a proper manner when they. Oh yeah, did it
1: freeze and it broke something?
2: Yeah it. It Ugh. was stored in a steel building in Connecticut with water in the cooling system, mm. and it broke everything, including lots of stuff that people didn't know could break. Um, I think, and somewhere in there, the 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 I don't know how Doritos work, but something to do with the 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 irons had micro fractures in it, and they didn't show up on an inspection. But then, as soon as it got hot and you started turning RPM, it created vibrations and it was ugly
1: and it's a it's a good time of year up north here and anywhere that it freezes to remind people that uh if uh if it's below 32 degrees and your race car is uh below 32 degrees like stuff gets really stupid if you don't put coolant in your system and and it it costs costs you lots of money yeah lots of money that you didn't want to spend so
2: but then you end up with a temp pimp-ass rotary with Ian Eddy seals and micro polished this and
1: et cetera. Yeah. So what's the story with the final motor that you have in there? Cause it's built. Now you have it built for SCCA e-production, correct? Correct.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an e-prod car. It's right around 210 at the wheels. Uh, Steve Eckert in Asheville built uh, two consecutive engines. And that's where we found out about the micro fracturing, um, which really hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. But, uh, It's the there's all sorts of stuff and proprietary this and that and the other thing going on inside that engine, but it's it's three weekends old. We got it right and then life got in the way and I stopped racing.
1: Yeah, last time you raced was what Indy a couple years ago.
2: I raced Indy and then I've done a couple of the SCCA time trial nationals type stuff. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Uh, that. Yeah, actually, one. The last time the car drove was to win Time Trials Nationals at Corvette Museum by sixteen thousandths of a second or whatever it was
1: an Unlimited Two. That's uh, that's a slim margin. It was fun. What do you think of NCM? We're going there in April. What do you think of that place? It's
2: it's a lot of track. It's I don't know. It's, it it really feels like two separate tracks with. That stupid thing down in the bottom where you stop and turn left, <laughs> kind of connecting the two of them.
1: I hear mixed reviews about the sinkhole.
2: Yeah, I, I guess is that the sinkhole where you stop. No, I and think the, that the the aid, aid, isn't that
1: what
0: they call that thing, Abe? The sinkhole? What are you talking about?
1: Uh, at NCM, don't they call it the sinkhole? That stupid turn at the bottom.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, everybody no, I uh, think has the sinkhole at the
1: end of the lap, right?
0: Uh, yeah, it's near the end. So, no, we, yeah,
2: that the sinkhole is fun. You you turn left for about an hour in the sinkhole. That's fine. It's the one halfway through the lap where you do the really fast one. You turn right three times, turn left a couple of times, and you stop at the bottom of the hill and go back up and head towards Deception.
1: Oh, I thought that was called the sinkhole. I don't know.
2: But anyway, whatever that turn is, it sucks. But otherwise,
1: <laughs> it's a fun track. Hey, Busby, fix your track. Make it suck less. Huh? <laughs> Just
0: that well, that's, one not, spot. that's not nice at all. I like that place.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to driving it for the first time. I haven't driven. And Busby's
0: anything. a rad dude. We shouldn't give him a shit on the podcast. I'm not. I'm not.
1: Boo the one who said his track sucks. No, just the one spot. <laughs> just that one of thirty turns. Right. Yeah. Um. um so, so, how did the. Uh, uh how did all the other teething issues with an RX8 go like what's life like with those is it is the oil premix a big problem like uh oh, it's... pretty reliable once everything is good or um basically
2: you figure out that it's got a healthy appetite for gas for about 5 miles per gallon you put an ounce a gallon in of oil and then you never have to think about that again and it's perfectly reliable uh The hardest part of the whole thing has been dealing with the uh, e-production or the production class break rules, which are left over from, I guess, when they wrote the rules in 1946.
1: Are you guys hearing a weird
2: echo?
0: I am. Sorry, guys. Hey, we got an echo. Yeah, that's my fault. I'm editing a podcast while talking on a podcast. I was on mute. Why are you doing that? (laughs) Because you guys are talking. It's cool.
1: Abe,
2: Abe's
0: ADD has
1: ADD. <laughs> Abe just got—he uh, thinks he's got too many jobs. He doesn't—he doesn't even actually edit things. Either. <laughs> uh,
0: no. But you know, so, it, uh, it takes uh, a lot of work to be this bad.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> you think I just lucked into this?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's—it's uh, it's a hard-fought battle, uh, and in the end, we—we—we uh, we, we rise to the occasion of full-on mediocrity. <laughs> what is? but yeah the the prod rules uh they have like the brakes basically in almost every car they have to be factory but they don't allow abs right well
2: so they fixed all of that since i stopped oh really yes you there's and i haven't even bothered to read it because frankly i don't care but (laughs) (laughs) you can do aftermarket calipers and you can run abs with the weight penalty now and there's all these things that would have made the development of this car completely plug and play that were illegal until about two months ago.
1: Really? Like this is yep. recent recent, huh?
2: Uh, this is like two fast tracks ago. Recent. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. I market market calipers. Yeah. I think, wow. I feel like it's, you can do this, this four piston caliper in the front and a two piston in the rear and whatever it was, I got pissed off and stormed
1: away from the computer. Oh, you know, what? somebody, um, yeah. Uh, my my buddy who races H prod, um, he uh, he texted me wondering what I thought about that stuff. I think he he was writing a rule for it or writing a, a letter for it also, and that was a while ago. I forgot all about that. He said it was like on the docket to be discussed. But... Yeah,
2: I I wrote several letters and then they fixed it once I left.
1: Okay, so you don't want to play in prod land anymore, but you did you did uh, you made things better with your complaints, so maybe. Yeah, but it's not
2: even that I don't want to play in prod land. It's that car it, racing properly doesn't fit in the life that i've managed to build so yeah i have to take a break for a while
1: oh well, i understand you've uh you've been playing with cars since you were like what 17 or 18 You said i think a long time we we did a show that was one of my favorite shows ever that we did was uh uh with you and and matt Reppert called like crashing cars at road uh, or something like that <laughs> that was one of my one of my favorite shows <laughs> We uh, just a little
2: inebriated.
1: I think a little bit, um, but I think you also, you you, you guys c- cumulatively had crashed at almost every turn. Yep. Um, I want to say this was like 300 shows ago. It was a long time ago. Um, but uh, I, I think you said your first time at Rhode Atlanta was like when you were 17 or something. It was in your daily yeah. driver. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was in 94. And that was in your Daily Driver EF hash or something?
2: Yeah, I had a, I had an EF. I had a DX EF hatch. Okay. Um, and it was it would go faster down, down the dip than it would go period.
1: Was that back when it was gravity cavity still? Yep. Man, that's yeah, going to be would, so fun. It
2: would go like 120-something down the dip, but if you topped it out anywhere else, it was
1: 117. <laughs> it would speed up because the hill is so steep?
2: Yep
0: that's so cool
2: <laughs> and then you turn you turn in at the uh you turn in at the bridge for 11 and if you did it just right it would basically hop down the hill hill getting wheel spin with 92 horsepower man wrecking uh,
0: cars at road atlanta is episode number 91 so we're like
1: man pre 100
0: man that's a long time ago
1: uh-huh that was uh that was a long time ago April April did you even listen to slip angle back then (laughs) uh
0: I don't I don't know that I did so uh when did you
1: when did you start listening
0: um I think I started listening when like you guys had me on the show that October so this uh, wrecking cars was recorded in August I was just a driver Mm -hmm. in August man I didn't know you guys
1: and, I, I knew you. We had, well, we had talked a little bit because you were a rules complainer.
0: Uh and someone had crashed into me. That's why at, we you. at
1: Autobahn. At right. Autobahn, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The first time I met Abe, like like uh, and actually had a conversation with him for more than five seconds, um, someone had just driven into the back of his evo.
0: <laughs> and I was uh was an- the the short story for how I got to know Adam was uh I was uh begging and pleading and whining to try and get a gridlife ticket because I did not realize that Gridlife Midwest tickets in 2016 sold out as quick as they do
1: I don't remember that part um but uh I do remember uh having to ride my bicycle over to you and do post post impact like uh debrief stuff and like calm you down and uh, and, uh, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting moment. I remember that one vividly.
0: I miss your bicycle.
1: Uh, it, I, I had to give it back to its owner. Uh, it wasn't actually my bicycle. <laughs> but the thing was pretty <laughs> rad though. It had a banana seat and a I huge basket. Say, yep. banana yeah. seat. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a super good bike until I literally, I, I rode it around the paddock so much for like two years that I wore a tire out. And then I didn't fix it, and I always forgot to fix it until I was, like, ready to leave for the track event. So it sat here for a year, and then I gave it back to Dave. But anyway, um, so, yeah, uh, we, were, we were talking about Road Atlanta and crashing things at Road Atlanta and then crashing things at Autobahn. But, uh, um, Boo, you've got, uh, with with Matt and some other dudes, you've, you still have an EF that you guys built into, like, a champ car. Um, yes. What's happening with that thing?
2: So I actually had
1: to ask Matt when we were talking the other day to figure
2: out when we drove it last. And it, it was last raced at the Ark in 17, and then Matt finished blowing it up at a test day in
1: early 18. That's a nice build, too. You guys did a good job on it, too.
2: Well, yeah, we found a, a Japanese-built 88 and took it down to, to bare metal, all the undercoating, all of that, caged it, you know, tied it into the pillars Mm -hmm. ad nauseum we put entirely too many hours into something that we've raced once
1: (laughs) literally like one time yeah Uh, one thing i really liked about that build was uh, and i i I bought stuff recently to do it um i haven't wired them in yet but uh uh, you you put like led lights uh in the wheel wells so that at nighttime, like you could turn them on and actually work on the car Yep. Um, which is like a precursor to just being a gltc hot boy stunner but like uh also functional at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah, we did we did the wheel well lights and driver change lights on one switch.
1: Yeah, that's pretty brilliant actually. Like uh be able to inspect in the wheel wells like while you're doing a driver change or if you had to do a brake a brake swap in the middle of the night at Daytona or something. But, uh what are you gonna do with that thing? Are you gonna bust that thing back out and make it into a yeah. car again? Or no? So
2: yeah, I'm gonna get rid of the RX eight and apparently sell you my trailer, I guess, is the
1: I am gonna definitely buy your trailer,
2: Uh, and then we're gonna we're we're debating as to what drivetrain to put in the EF. If we're gonna you know go B series or if we're gonna be full stupid and put a K twenty in it, we Mm -hmm. really don't have any idea what the hell we're doing.
1: What would your goal for that car be? Like, uh, how many guys own it, and like, what would you guys do with it? There are five of us, and
2: the goal is for it to be able to do. STL and SCCA races, GLTC, and the long endurance races. Okay. Uh, I, I think work a, work. a one
1: point eight B series would be your best bet for weight in STL then. So well,
2: wow. that's what we were worried about because with the it we've got the Integra uprights on it, so the slightly bigger hubs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But with all the weight we'd have to carry with the K twenty, it kind of seemed like it might not keep hubs under it for very you, long.
1: You'd literally endurance. have to put like six hundred pounds in it for STL that's kind of ridiculous yeah it's, is it, like it, a, it, it, yeah 1.8 it had to be like 24 or 23 or something like that right because it's it's seventeen hundred eighty pounds without
2: driver right now
1: geez that's lighter than mine man yeah it, mine is mine is uh almost a hundred pounds more than that because of supercharger and water tanks
2: yeah we we had it down I think it was 819 pounds as a cage tub <laughs>
1: it's so like
2: <late. laughs> Put it all back together. So, that's freaking light. Yeah, that's that was that's actually one of the things I was supposed to talk about tonight is to figure out just how heavy we'd have to be with the K20.
1: Yeah, so, when I was on the STL committee and like doing STL things, I think it was two two double wishbone front wheel drive were twenty seven hundred pounds flat. Yeah, no. Uh, and that's with driver, obviously, but uh, yeah, at that point you're still adding what seven hundred pounds. Yeah, no. Uh, so I mean, the K series would add like a hundred pounds, so maybe six hundred pounds. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mike Taylor just bought uh, another B eighteen, and uh, uh, he's also talking about doing K series stuff. So he might have a lot of B series stuff to offload, and he only lives like ten minutes from you. So yeah, perfect. Yeah, there you go. I've solved all your problems. Hey, <laughs> yeah, happy to do it.
2: The problem is Mike keeps blowing them up.
1: Well, uh, Mike, uh, I think the last one he had a really, really strong engine too. Um, he was run, uh, he ran his personal best at the Arc um, a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, it dropped a valve. Just it was one of those super tech like skinny shaft valves, like the cool stuff. Uh, and sometimes cool stuff goes boom and rattles around and breaks a sleeve and all kinds of terribleness, but.
2: Yeah, I, I, I bust Mike's balls for, for crashing and getting run into by Miatas and blowing motors up. But a lot of is more in a year than I've raced since 2012. So Dude, And
1: he got that car really, really dialed. I think he would have had a really good runoffs if he hadn't got a flat tire on the start. Um, But that car uh, at the arc, him and Dan, uh, end of a 40 minute race, he's. 2 seconds behind Danny Stein like one lap to go and he's running equal lap times like he's got that car uh right there uh, at STL yeah. national yeah. pace but like that's a that's a cruel mistress to be like chasing you know national championships yeah but, yeah you you ran the you ran the runoffs uh, exactly what one time or two times just once
2: yeah I, I so after the divorce it's one of those let's get back on the horse here things and yeah you did the Indy runoffs. I did Indy and uh we went through that season and that's basically the only time that any real I don't know that I got sharp that I got the seat time that I did whatever whatever mm-hmm. and we ran in the top third I think there were 46 or 47 cars in e at Indy and I ran 15th so mm-hmm. I think all things considered and with my lack of budget and all that—I think that was a, a really strong show.
1: So for for people who don't know anything about uh, eprod, um, the SCCA production classes. There's Fprod, uh, Hprod, and Eprod. Hprod, Fprod, and Eprod right now. Um, e yeah. production is like—I mean, there's some absolutely insane builds in E production. Um, and a lot of them have 150 or $200,000 flowed through them just in development. And they're running like maybe (laughs) 10th. Yeah. I
2: I did the entire 2017 season, including tires, brakes, entry fees, fuel truck maintenance for 9,000 bucks.
1: That's actually pretty cheap to, to run the runoffs too. And the runoffs
2: was 1250
1: of that. Yeah. Just the entry fee alone. right? Right. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's a tough class to play in uh, on a budget because there's – like the limits are like – it's crazy. It's like crazy compression, big, huge cams. Like you can do lots of crazy stuff, and people spend insane amounts of money in development.
2: Right. But well, like, it's, it's, so that, is, that's it's part of it. the reason that I picked the RX-8 to begin with.
1: What was your thought process behind buying that thing?
2: So a a limited prep – rotary engine is not a ticking time bomb it's you you run it three four years maybe more and then take it apart and see if anything's broken
1: and with a rotary like generally a rotary is like either good or it's broken right like they're 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 rippers until they're not right yeah they they
2: don't wear out and sometimes especially like with the engine that's currently in the car it's been Modified for the good thirteen B side seals and all this. But like I said, I don't understand Doritos, but it's the problems with the Renesis are solved in this.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: if you rev it to nine thousand, it doesn't break water seals or whatever it is they do. So, with mm-hmm. production is divided into full prep and limited prep. And full prep is your little British cars with half to one compression hand grenade engines and your your i guess you know dog box transmissions and your blah 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 blah
1: blah. oh yeah everything is nuts on those things
2: right your limited prep are faster cars that aren't prepped as far so it's you know stock suspension pickup points it's you know it prep engines or in the case of the Rotor, it's just a what's called a street port right um You can still go crazy with transmissions for a weight penalty, etc., but the car doesn't have to be wild and crazy. Um, The the RX-8, I I picked it because of my history with Mazda and the way Mazda supports and pays contingency, Mm -hmm. but it's also got the fantastic braking once you get it sorted. It's a very easy chassis to drive.
1: Yeah, it's a long it, Miata.
2: Right. It doesn't have the bad habits or the pushy nature of a lot of the, the small, um, you know, the little small British stuff that's out there. Mm-hmm. Of course, then you're also, you know, dealing with the guys that are dropping
1: $100,000 in the season. Right. Yeah, there's Jesse Prather and Jesse Prather's gang that are, uh, yeah, monsters. <laughs> Kip, you know, Kip with his
2: amazing, beautiful 944 and right. –
1: that's- yeah, yeah. It, it it like it's a really cool class. I'm glad it exists. It's not something I'd want to play in, but like I think it's really cool how they can get parody between like a a, a guy sprite uh, in prod and like uh everything from a you know a chop window BMW Roadster from the 2000s to an RX8 to right. Uh, there's freaking Jeff Young's Triumph TR8. It's literally unbelievable with a beautiful 8 in it. Uh, like so many interesting builds, like and it's and it's a place that you're not going to see anywhere else. It's, but it's also like, well, it's the longest running like, like amateur road race series or like class yeah. classing series like in the world. So yes, uh, nothing has ran longer than that's than the Pride classes. They've been going since like what 65 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, and a lot of the rules like uh, like it's they're super well thought out too, like. Uh, if you want to do it, like they they want you to be able to do it, and they give you a lot of options. So they do, um. and they are also
2: doing a really really good job over the past ten years or so in making measured adjustments as opposed to just tacking on your runoffs reward weight or mm-hmm. you know chopping somebody off at the knees. That they're they really do a good job about balancing the classes on the head of the pin. Mm-hmm
1: yeah and, and when you're dealing with that many different types of builds and cars and then obviously when you're dealing with amateur road racing there's like talent disparity and budget disparity you gotta take that stuff into uh into consideration this is yeah. like it's the same crap that like abe and i deal with with time attack and, and gltc and stuff like yeah uh it's but they're doing it on like such a such a grand weird scale in the prod classes. <laughs> yeah but yeah, so so, it is pretty cool to see. So.
2: Yeah, so I decided I wanted to go prod. I decided I didn't want another Miata because it had enough of those and looked at the running costs. And with an RX 8, with a rotary, you're running $2 a gallon gas. You put a little bit of premix in it. That stuff's cheap. I buy it at Walmart. What is uh, that oil that you put in there? Like, what actually it's, is it? It's, it's outboard engine oil.
1: Oh, like two stroke oil?
2: Yeah, it's a Quicksilver brand, whatever it is. You buy it at Walmart or Amazon in a
1: Okay. One jug And dump it in there. Yeah, I, th- I thought maybe it was just straight up oil or something. I, I had no idea what it actually was. Yeah, it's it's two stroke oil. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so you mix it like your weed eater. Uh, and does I I heard uh, something? Or I, I've read a lot about like the the oil metering pumps that like from the factory they're, they're they generate like a lot of the the 13bs they pump the, f- the crankcase oil like into the fuel. Yes. Mm-hmm. uh do you have anything like that with the renesis, or is that deleted or we we took it off and threw it away okay so so now you have to premix the oil
2: yeah, you have to premix it' and remembering now' talking about a it, it's an ounce and a half per gallon. If you leave the metering pump, you put in like half an ounce a gallon, and you hope that the metering pump does it properly and right. this and that we we took it off, we put a blanking plate in in place of it and, and moved on, yeah.
1: And and that's that all sprayed like the oil sprays through the fuel injector, right? Like (laughs) there's no problems with that.
2: Yeah, no, it worked.
1: Yeah, I guess it would thin out fine, right? But yeah,
2: Yeah, it's it's, you know an ounce and change a gallon, and
1: and is that mainly to like lubricate the you know cylinder walls? But you've got the freaking the oval, like the, the housing,
2: right? Yeah, and and again, it's it's magical spinning Doritos.
1: But yeah, yes. I, I have like a vague, like knowledge of how they work. I think they're really cool. Um, I was like staring at uh, Ben from gears and gasoline, uh, at his new yellow one on Saturday night and we were cruising in Chicago in race cars. Um, and, uh, which was super fun by the way. And my car didn't have any headlights and that was sketchy, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it like, they, they sound so cool. And when they start up, they sound like jet engines for a split second. Like mm-hmm. they crank so fast and, uh, Like, I'm super intrigued by them, but uh, it's such a different way to make, to turn gasoline into uh, momentum.
2: (laughs) And then once you're in it, the the power band is like 5,800 to 9,000. Yeah. And it's got the five and a half inch clutch and the tiny little pressure plate and the six speed. So it's just, it sounds like when you're in it, when you're driving it, it sounds and feels like you're driving an F1 car. Just shifting. Yeah, a a lot
1: more race car noises, right? Um, there's a 13 B or that, uh, I mean, Hey, what's that, what do you call a four rotor? Like a 26 B or something? B, yeah. 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 That four rotor, uh, the black and green one of, uh, Logan Carswell that, um, that it's naturally aspirated. It's got slide throttles uh, instead of like butterfly throttles. Uh, and it, it runs with us sometimes at, uh, at middle Ohio. It's been, oh, he's been Audubon with it. Um, and that, I mean, that thing is just close. To like a Judd V10 uh, F1 motor that you can get, like noise-wise, it's absolutely phenomenal. But um, yeah, it's got to be super fun to drive a rotary on the on the track.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, you you, you gear them super super high numerically. I've you know, got a 512 rear gear and just rev the shit out of it.
1: Yeah, you want to be you want to be up on the up on the RPM. The tech needs to be pegged.
0: So hey, how, how is an RX8? I'm gonna go upstairs and put a baby to sleep, but I'm gonna keep you on the oh, line. So uh, just keep okay. doing your thing.
2: Okay,
1: see you later, producer Abe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hands off, producing style.
1: Yeah, well, he's gonna put a baby to sleep. I thought he already did that, but I guess guess not. His baby. It goes doesn't forever. always I mean, take
2: the first time.
1: I know. My, my my baby woke up at she's six, but she woke up at four o'clock today, so she's in bed early. Um, yeah kids are fun. How are how are your kids? Are they still fun? Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're well they're 11 and 8, so they're
2: really at a sweet spot. They're not teenagers and don't talk back that much yet. Yeah. That you know, the the girl does dance and lacrosse and the boy plays baseball and basketball. So
1: all American kids. Yeah, man, that's good. That's good Which is here. part of the
2: reason I never go to the racetrack.
1: Yeah, that that uh I'm, I'm hoping my my kid gets into carts or something fun like that. Uh, Right now, she's just into like turning paper into crafts and not cleaning the mess up. So that was. Yeah, Yeah. it could be worse. Uh, How is an RX 8 to like actually like live with maintenance wise on like hubs and axles and tires and all that stuff? It doesn't use them. Pretty like your car. At all, ever. Your car is pretty light for what it is, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's 2,400 pounds plus driver and fuel on. 245-17 two forty five seventeen Hoosiers.
1: Yeah, that's not going to wear things out. No,
2: you, you cycle them out before you wear them out unless you go somewhere super abrasive.
1: Um,
2: the, the, the brakes are huge. It doesn't wear brakes out. Um, the, the hubs, I mean, it, it's really well sorted. Everything lasts forever. Yeah, that's I've kind of a plus. Spare set of half-shafts half that I've been carrying around since I bought the car. Yeah, you know, I'll spare this, spare that, spare the other stuff, unless I, unless you run it into something, nothing breaks.
1: Yeah. Um, you you did fight braking issues because you had to con. Didn't you yeah. basically have to convert it to non ABS and. Yada, so yada, yada? yeah, we we got
2: the car and you know through basically through a stock non blown up engine in it, got it to run and took it to the track, and that's where we figured out that. The ABS system does all of the brake biasing. Right. I found that out at about 125
1: braking for turn one at Roebling. That was fun. Yeah, and then when the back end locks up? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I think I've heard this same story from Greg and me also. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, the the tires locked up braking for one, and I caught it at the entrance to three.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: um, So we did a a (laughs) lot of stuff trying to get those decent, and we got close on the stock master Cylinder, but it was just, it was overboosted and didn't have a lot of feel. Right. Uh, so then we, basically, I tried to, I went iteratively, and if we'd done it over the course of a couple of full seasons, we would have gotten to where we, we are now pretty quickly. But the long story short is it's it's now to the pretty good point uh, to where, you know, with it's got a balance bar on the pedal and it's got a bias valve so you can adjust mechanically or hydraulically you can get it to lock up the fronts first with the rears right there behind it the, the level of effort is is decent but you know basically I got it about right just in time to stop driving it
1: right yeah you figured out all the terrible things and then get right. burned out in the fact of doing it yeah yeah, but, but uh, fighting breaks like burns you out real bad. I fought them all year last year. Like that, that's not fun.
2: No. Well, because you, you you get in the car
1: and you're already worried about it. Right. It takes a lot. It takes all the. It takes all like the, the joy out of it because there's so much like worry and peril at stake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Getting them figured out though, it's a good feeling. But like. But it's also, like, not that rewarding because you're like, oh, man, so awesome. It finally uh, it finally does what everybody else's car does when they buy it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, at least the brakes on this
2: car are huge, so it'll do it every single turn of every single lap. once you. Which, it. yeah,
1: in SCCA world, that's not always a thing.
2: No, it's not. So like it's like an ITA. Yeah.
1: Not- yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't
2: know it's it's really 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 low maintenance for a prod car
1: right it does sound like a fun uh, a fun all-around car too i mean you are trying to sell it obviously which was like i was like hey let's uh let's talk on a podcast maybe somebody want to buy it because like all yeah. of a sudden i everybody wants to buy my trailer when i talked about wanting to sell my trailer right. but uh, but you, you can't know, sell an your trailer
2: until i sell my car
1: it's, well i can sell my trailer i just can't buy yours but right. um but yeah the uh uh, it's an interesting car that, like, people don't consider uh, as much yet because, you know, everybody's like, oh, but I have a, I already have a Miata or I already have an RX-7. But, like, there's that, like, RX-8, it's like if you want to scratch build a, a car, uh, regardless of drivetrain, if you want to scratch build, like, a, a track car or a race car, like, that platform, I mean, you know the suspension's good because it's basically mm-hmm. a lengthened Miata that's got stronger hubs. um and uh and like the chassis are pretty cheap now if you want to just buy a an old chassis and then dump twenty thousand bucks into it yourself um but uh i think even like with the right lip kit and stuff too like they can they can get kind of pretty too like they're not bad looking cars i really they they grew on on i think most people so um yeah well and you know it's
2: um, it fits it, it fits in a lot of places, too. It, it's pretty much in a sweet spot for GLTC. Yeah. Yep. Right. Pride. Dude, yeah,
1: dude, you ran, I, you ran uh, GLTC at uh, Road Atlanta last year.
2: I did, and that was the least reliable weekend the cars ever had, and it was all because <laughs> of a kill switch.
1: <laughs> Literally, like, it died a bunch of times. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. And it, it was all the kill switch. I put an right. alternator on it. That wasn't a problem. Yeah, tried to figure out if I had a short
1: going to going to the battery, going to and from the alternator, and
2: no, it was a kill switch.
1: Yeah, it was just like all of a sudden Bowie has Bowie's on the strap again. But at least he got himself in a good place, and he's uh, not killing the race. <laughs> I mean, when you've got as many laps at Road as I have, you know where to hide. Yeah, you know, you know the cutaways. You look for the orange, the orange squares on the on the wall, huh? But, um, they, that, that was like the weekend that uh, that I was at the racetrack with you that I never saw you because you were elbow deep in the car or you're like out on the hill instructing beginners, one or the other. But, yep. Yeah. yeah that, was, that, that,
2: that was kind of the my come-to-Jesus moment of if you're going to go to the track, you've got to do your prep. Not that it would have mattered because I wouldn't have tested the kill switch.
1: Yeah, it's not but, something you expect to be bad. Right. But,
2: you know, I – that was August. I did all my prep. I went into, to uh, Kentucky in September for the time trials and it ran every single lap of every single session for four days.
1: Right.
2: So just
1: the way the game's played, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I, testing is huge. Like, uh, and sometimes it's hard to test race cars, right? Like, cause it's, it's it's expensive, like all weekend ordeal. Um, just, uh, the midwest festival this year i uh, i did a dumb thing um i i had some i burned out some coils on my car so i changed some coils um and then i i, I did qualifying and missed race one and then in race two uh i started from the back because i i didn't i didn't run race one because of my coils being bad and qualifying and me not having any time to work on the car and i'm hosting the biggest event of the year and some <laughs> brains not there um so I, I i jump in the car for race two so i start from the back just to go out and have some fun evaluate a couple of uh, new drivers and stuff um i always i always like to start from the back and like chase some of the beginners and try to put some pressure on it not beginners but you know beginners to gltc put some right. pressure on them, see how they see how they do um but then uh like the car uh uh the car is like down on power i'm like what is going on like what the heck and it's a jackson supercharger with like an air to water uh intercooler welded into it you know like two laminova cores uh and i had forgot to turn the water pump on so i had this like five gallon tank of ice water ready to go to like keep all my intake air cool um you just couldn't be bothered to use it and i forgot to use it so i'm my car is like breathing 300 degree intake air temperatures, which it didn't like. It, it just stops making power. Like it basically starts to make NaD16 power, um, which is fine. But uh, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't give you much straightaway speed. So I flick the switch halfway through the race, um, and uh, and then pretty soon I'm like, why is the, the the tank is next to me? It's to the right in my passenger seat area. I'm like, why is the overflow from the tank like puking water out? It's never done that before. Um, and I thought, oh, it must be like, my first thought was, oh, it must be boiling the fluid, uh, as it goes through the cores. Right. So I cycled it a few times and it just still kept doing it. Like it's puking water. out. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And I also noticed that, uh, that coming off of corners, like low RPMs, it was, it was stumbling. I thought, ah, oh, must, must have another couple of coils going bad. Um,
2: at least now you're motoring about completely distracted.
1: Yeah, totally distracted. But, uh. <laughs> But but I, I had those two problems, you know it's like puking flu, fluid out the out the overflow on the uh the ice tank you know, right next to me uh and it's also stumbling coming off of corners, but it's like ripping up the straight. it's doing fine um I thought well, that's weird so i bought I bought some new coils, changed all four coils, uh cleaned up the coil wiring'cause honda Honda k twenty coil wiring is notoriously terrible, and that's the coil wiring that I have on the d fifteen here, but uh didn't think anything else of it until. Uh, Saturday night, we went cruising race cars. And this is where the test. This is where I'm actually going somewhere with this story. Uh, but, it's uh, the testing race cars is sometimes hard, right? Um, and so I was really glad that I went cruise. I, I have an antique plate on it. I went cruising with the with with a bunch of the Grid Life buddies and the Gears and Gasoline guys were on a big road trip with their RX7s. Um, one of them's a rotary. One of them's a K20 turbo. Actually, the car that uh, that fusion works, uh, Brett actually started building. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're on a nationwide road trip. So we did a, We did a bunch of filming downtown Chicago with like driving race cars in a, in a closed down city, which was super fun. Um, but I'm cruising about an hour North to the grid life office for 45 minutes North, to the grid life office. And, and I flicked the intercooler switch on, it was cold out, you know, the intercooler switch on and I get off the highway and the car's stumbling. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Flick it off and rev it a few times, and then it's not. I'm like, oh, I think I'm learning things here. What's going on? Did it a few more times, um, and I realized that flicking the intercooler switch on on like basically a glowing hot supercharger and running ice water through it is bad for aluminum welds. And Uh, and like I literally blew the welds on my intake manifold. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you, all right fast furious.
1: yeah so so when i when i and it's but it's like these little water tanks on the side of the supercharger right um and so i, I cracked a weld somewhere in one of those water tanks and then so when i when I turn the water pump on the, the intercooler ice pump it's pumping water into the intake manifold and that's why it starts to stumble um be, because of, i'm breathing water and it's putting the spark out right uh, so I learned some things and I would never have learned that at the racetrack. Like yeah. I wouldn't have figured it out. It would have taken me a whole season and I would have sold the supercharger setup because I would have been annoyed, but I figured it out because I went to do hot boy, dumb, dumb YouTube filming shit in, Chico- in Chicago. So testing is important. <laughs> I've, I've never even heard of a failure like that. That's- it's a really, yeah. Like like the supercharger was probably super hot. And I flicked that switch with the ice water and uh and yeah you, you call I me mean, cold shock aluminum and it shrinks yeah. so fast it broke the weld.
2: so yeah yeah you're always told never pour cold water into a car that's overheated i guess
1: same thing yeah that it's literally you're gonna like a radiator explode if you pour cold yeah. water into it right so yeah or a block explode
2: so. yeah crack if you have an aluminum especially like when i was growing up it was iron block aluminum
1: head right yeah things change uh change shape so fast when they're when they're shocked with cold water versus hot blocks. So. Yeah. But yeah, testing like that, like to to sort of set up brakes like on your Rx eight, like uh especially when you're doing balance bar setup. You you guys fabbed up that whole balance bar setup that like bolts onto the factory setup, right? Yep. And like to do that, to swap all that stuff and fix it all and change it all and modify it all like two or three times, like that's like a year. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. Oh yeah. It mean, you know, take, takes the fun it, out of it. It's yeah. the,
2: the gauges to get the pressures about equivalent and all that sort of right. stuff. But none of that means anything until you go slam on the brakes.
1: Yeah, and you can't do that like on a full-fledged race car. You can't just like do that. Uh, yeah, Dave Hardy's you,
2: papers got really pissed off.
1: Yeah, until you get to a racetrack or a drag strip or something. I mean, if you do it on a drag strip, you can get stuck in the sand trap in the end. Yeah, <sighs> <laughs> I, I I do think that more road racers and autocrossers could probably benefit from like just doing $25 test and tune nights at the local drag strip just to test their brakes. Like, I don't know why more people don't do that, but if you're having brake issues, that's cheaper than a track day. <laughs> that's you're less likely to get arrested than if you go to an industrial park. Right. But yeah. That's half the reason I put a plate in my car. It's so that I can like the, I bought the plate, um, after I had dyno tuned the car uh, it was an antique plate, and I thought, well, uh, I have to figure out if these brakes actually work because I fought the whole year. that, like every every event, it was like sorting brakes, sorting brakes, different master cylinder sizes, changing stuff. And I, I remember talking to you. I talked to Dave O'Malley. I talked to a jillion people that have played with master cylinders and things, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and it was like this is just – this sucks. And I, I had to sort these brakes, and I needed to get them hot i need to drive around on them um yep. and so i literally put a plate on the car even though it's not really street legal but um and uh and then i was rewarded with uh with a few mods i was rewarded with a brake pedal that doesn't suck so yeah testing's Wait. pretty hard though
2: yeah well ef brakes tend to suck unless you really
1: i don't have any ef parts left on this car like Like I have a floor mount master cylinder and tilting pedals or tilting, uh, a tilting master cylinder and a floor mount pedal box and, and the back of the freaking car. Didn't you? Yeah. The seats, 14 inches rearward. Yeah. You made yourself room. Yeah. I I changed a lot of things. So yeah. Uh, But my biggest thing that I found was the problem was the hard, hard, hard lines that I had bent up. Um, I bent up like, and put them up in the cowl, like below the windshield um kind of tucked them and stuff and like i had a perma bubble like up there uh Uh, and so i ended up uh just getting all dash three soft lines like pre pre pre-made dash three dash three soft lines from pegasus um and then like if i have to i can like literally move the lines around while i'm bleeding um and it didn't didn't really affect pedal feel at all They, they feel pretty good like the front brakes are all soft line now so uh, the backs are uh, – actually, I do have some factory bricks. I've got the factory drums still in the back, but they don't do anything. <laughs> no, they keep the gas tank from hitting the ground. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. But, yeah, anyway. Um, but I'm kind of curious what uh, uh, what you guys do with the with the EF. So technically, you'll we'll still have a race car a little bit. But yeah, I'll, I'll still have 20% of a race car. and you know, 20% is enough. Right?
2: And then I'll get real stupid and go buy a boat.
1: Yeah, that's a good place to piss some money. It's, it's like the same as a race car. You can just drink beer. So it's the same. <laughs> you can just drink beer while you operate. It. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, there's that.
1: That's like not 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 as soon as you're done up. Yeah. Uh, do you think? Uh, do you think you'll ever go back to the uh, the, the my life is uh, revolves around race car life?
2: Uh, kind of in a different manner. I, I could see getting back to the point, especially once the kids are off and grown and gone, and I'm not paying for them all the time. Go play, you know, go play race cars in some way five or six times a year. Right. But I, I have no interest in ever going back to. I don't know if we talked about it. My freshman year of college, I went to the racetrack thirty-five weekends.
1: Thirty-five. Yeah. Well, so how did you, my, do, how'd you do that?
2: So in February of 97 was the first time I crashed at Road Atlanta. We talked about right. it. And that was in my street car and I had to hitch a ride home. Bought another car, got it prepped. And I guess, so I guess it was sophomore year or freshman into sophomore. Um, I instructed for the Porsche club and the BMW club and the other Porsche club and this club and that club. And I did 27 or 28 track weekends. And then the rest of the weekends
1: were autocrosses. That's out of control. It was,
2: I mean, I really,
1: really learned how to drive. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and it's, a, uh, I, I was doing 10 or 15 weekends a year doing the same thing, like instructing for three or four groups. Yeah. Uh, and you learn a lot when you get a lot of seat time that way. But, man, yeah. 20 to 30 weekends in a car. Ugh. I,
2: had, yeah. I had a hookup at the tire store. Anytime they got any uh, any 14-inch tires, the guy would call me, and you know, trade-in used whatever's. And I'd get, you know, $25 sets of tires.
1: You were literally just running on, like, all seasons?
2: Yeah. The the ones I kept getting that really held up better than you thought they would were the Eagle GAs that came on Neons. Really? And they were, like, a 195-60. And so they'd fit. I had had a it at that point. You know, they'd go on the stock wheels. They'd fit in the fenders. Mm-hmm. And they were almost to the wear bars. And I'd get two, three weekends out of a set for 25 bucks. God, let Not me bad. use the mountain balance machines. And Gotta have those
1: people, man. Gotta have those people to get into this hobby, dirty cheap. Oh yeah. So I, you know, I hop
2: in the hop in the Miata after I didn't have Friday classes because nobody has Friday classes. I'd hop in the hop in the car Friday morning, go down to the track, and get set up. And half the time, uh, Jack and Vicky Abbott managed Roebling Then they'd let me leave my little utility trailer there between weekends. Uh huh. So I you'd know, have my my tent was there and all my crap that I couldn't necessarily fit in the car and get there pitch the tent and
1: instruct some other some poor schmuck. <laughs> How did you like uh, instructing right seat? I loved it. No. Yeah. Until I had a family. Yeah. Did you ever get nauseous cuz I at some point I just couldn't do it anymore cuz I got car sick.
2: I only got nauseous once and I had a I had a couple in a Miata at Jefferson Circuit with an with oversized race seats. They they were um, large, mm-hmm. and so I was in the race seat bouncing from side to side as we went around Jefferson Circuit on a ninety degree day. Yeah, and they had back to back sessions, so I was in the car an hour at a time. Oh my gosh! And eventually, that finally got me. That's the only, only time, knockwood. only time in my life I've been motion sick.
1: Really? Only time?
2: Yep. I I can,
1: I can make myself motion sick, like driving myself around a racetrack now. Um, yeah. So that was, uh, how how many tracks did you frequent when you were in college? Like, where did y'all go? Uh,
2: I went as far north as Watkins Glen, as far south as Sebring.
1: Wow. Um.
2: But most of the time it was Roebling, it was Rockingham, North Carolina Motor Speedway, where nobody goes there anymore. Um, Charlotte Motor Speedway, VIR opened back up the next year. Yeah, they were
1: like in 99, right?
2: Yeah, they were in 99. Uh, Let's see where else. Summit Point, uh, that was when it was Summit and Jefferson Circuit. They didn't have Shenandoah yet. Right. Have you been
1: to Shenandoah? I have not dude it's so gnarly
0: <laughs> i really enjoyed it's, it's shenandoah. Like,
1: yeah it's almost dumb how crazy it is. <laughs> yeah yeah we did shenandoah what last year two years ago I mean? uh
0: was it last year yeah that it was, was 2019 yeah it was last year
1: yeah that was the place is so gnarly it's got like tw- it's like 10 cool corners from like 15 cool corners from like all kinds of cool tracks that- and like somehow made a try out of it. It's really weird.
0: But so everything's was, like so tight. It kind of feels like an autocross circuit.
2: Yeah. With a lot of concrete walls. Jefferson was too. I was yeah. stuck in a, stuck in a never ending meeting at work last week and had Google maps up and was looking at this, that, and the other thing. And they've added a lot <laughs> of stuff at Summit Point since I've been there.
1: Yeah. It, it got bought by a company that, uh, uh, doesn't use it as much. I mean, obviously you, it, it gets used for racing things like all the time, but like, that's not the biggest part of their business. Like it's a military training place basically. Right. Um, yeah. All the stuff that,
2: on the outside of the front street that used to be an apple orchard.
1: Right. Not anymore. No, there's actually, uh, there was like uh, on Google maps, there was a grade out area. Um, uh, because like or it's like pixelated or something I forget now, uh, because it's like a place that you can't really know exists. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, but um, they're super nice people too. The great, great track to work with. Uh, like everybody that worked there is, was was awesome. So, uh, we tried to go back to Summer Point, Maine, this year, but none of the dates worked out. So that one of the goals for next year is to go back there, or for twenty twenty two would be to go back to Summit Point.
2: That was that was always a, an enjoyable track to go play at. It's got a good flow to it. It's, you know, it's got several high braking spots. It's yeah. A rink, it's an ice skating rink.
1: Yeah, kind of mid Ohio, like in the wet. I've heard. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could, you could spin the tires in fourth gear in a stock Miata. Hmm. That's pretty slippery. <laughs> well, um, I think we're a podcast. Uh, hey,
2: podcast.
1: And you and you're trying to sell your RX-8. I'm trying to
2: sell my RX8. It's on. It's on racing junk. It's on the sandbox. It's on the prod board. I think yep. it's on Facebook Marketplace because my wife does that sort of thing.
1: Okay. Well, anybody needs a needs a uh, uh, a direction to it. Uh, you can shoot me an email uh, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll I'll hook you up with a buoy. So yeah, um, I put on racing junk and I immediately got all sorts of wonderful people that would like to send me
2: a bank check.
1: Oh yeah. The uh, anybody from Nigeria because I hear that's the most legit place for that.
2: They are certainly not originally from America.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happens on Racing Junk now, huh?
2: Yes. Hello, sir. If if all item is still available. I don't. If
1: item. Yeah. Some of them copy get.
2: the title of the ad, but others
1: it's if item. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that makes me sad for the internet. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, yep. well I appreciate but you being on the show. It's a lot of fun. They should totally buy it. Yeah, somebody somebody will buy it and then I'll buy a trailer and then your giant eight lug axle trailer will not fail me, hopefully, for a season of good life use. So and then I'll buy a boat and
2: then maybe I'll sell an F two fifty and buy a smaller truck and et cetera.
1: Well, F two fifties are really good at pulling boats, so they are. They are <laughs> man dude i heard that i heard that to tow any trailer uh you should probably use an f-250 or higher that's what i've heard well there you go yeah to get a four by eight harbor freight utility trailer f-250 yeah hey it's not the wrong choice so <laughs> all right well uh we'll talk to you soon abe i appreciate you uh being here for part of this show
0: <laughs> here there for your back discussion. again
1: yeah, how's the baby's baby, baby sleeping?
0: Not not great. Like she's uh, no? she woke up like, three or four times tonight. So,
1: yeah. Oh man, you're into that stage. Yeah, awesome. Uh, it was good. It was good while it lasted, yeah, right? I
0: suppose. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, right, fellas. Take it easy. Amen. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jibay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits at a grid to say hello.